Coming up on today's episode of the Money Pants Superpower Hour. Brandon McMillan, the former star of the show Lucky Dog, is the best of the best when it comes to training animals. Today, we're going to break down some of the principles Brandon teaches and talk about how they overlap with money pants. Turns out the underlying principles of training apply across the board, from reptiles to elephants to tigers to humans. We've chosen 19 concepts that Brandon McMillan uses for training dogs, and we're going to apply them to using money pants. It's not a mystery, and everyone can do it. Plus, we'll share the secret to training dogs to not dig in the yard. All this and more, but first, the joke of the day. A police sergeant is training three cadets to become detectives. He shows the first cadet a picture for five seconds and then asks, This is your suspect. How would you recognize him? And the first cadet answers, Oh, that's easy. He only has one eye. The sergeant says, Yeah, because the picture I showed you is his side profile. Slightly flustered by this ridiculous response, the sergeant moves on to the second cadet, shows him the same picture, and asks, This is your suspect. How would you recognize him? And the second cadet smiles and says, I know. He only has one ear. The sergeant gets a little irritated and says, What's the matter with you? Of course, only one eye and one ear are showing because it's a picture of his side profile. Extremely frustrated at this point, the sergeant shows the picture to the third cadet and in a very testy voice says, This is your suspect. How would you recognize him? And then he quickly adds, Think hard before giving me a stupid answer. The third guy looks at the picture intently for a moment and then says, The suspect wears contact lenses. The sergeant is surprised and speechless because he really doesn't know himself if the suspect wears contact lenses or not. Well, that's an interesting answer, he says. Wait here for a few minutes while I check his file and I'll get back to you on that. The sergeant leaves the room and goes back to his office, checks the suspect's file on his computer and comes back with a beaming smile on his face. He says, wow, I can't believe it. It's true. The suspect does in fact wear contact lenses. Good work. Now, how were you able to make such an astute observation? The third cadet smiles and says, oh, it's easy. He can't wear regular glasses because he only has one eye and one ear. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Money Pants Superpower Hour. We're your host, Hannah Fontaine Judd, and we're the proud parents of eight sons and seven daughters, ranging in age from newborn to college student. We're both BYU graduates and the creators of Money Pants. Head on over to CaptainMoneyPants.com to learn more about what we do and what we're all about. We believe every person on this planet has been given at least one superpower to help them accomplish their unique mission in life. But the only way to unlock those superpowers is through work ethic. That's when greatness happens. And that's where Money Pants comes in. Money Pants is the complete tool set for cultivating work ethic in all aspects of a person's life. And today's topic is all about training. Well, actually, to be a little more specific, it's about training yourself to train your kids. So <laughs> having said that, um, Hannah, I'm going to have you take it away because I thought you had some really cool insights because <clears throat> you... You were telling me about masterclass and this what where you came up with this. I think a great great idea for yes. a podcast. Yes. So uh, when I was a kid, we had a dog named Lucy, and it was my first dog. I was in fifth grade. We were super excited, and my mom signed me up for dog training classes to take my dog to train her. And I even got my picture in the newspaper training this dog, Lucy, and. Lucy was the worst dog in the world. 
I completely failed at training this dog despite my best efforts and despite the fact that I loved this dog dearly. Uh, she would break out of the yard, run around crazy. She just... She's the one that would dig all the holes in the yard. And um, we were trying to sell our house at the time and she dug up the whole backyard. And finally, my dad set an ultimatum. He's like... You, you got to get rid of that dog or, you know, I'm going to drop her off in an orange grove somewhere really far away from our house. Uh, and so I, I found a friend that was willing to take Lucy and Lucy went and lived on a farm, supposedly. Anyway, um, years later, I got a, a, a different dog and uh, I was at, in 11th grade and it was a great Pyrenees sheep dog. And this time I was determined to train it well. And it wasn't even a year old and the dog tried to eat one of the neighbor kids. And so I thought I was doing well. And so I have been scared to get a dog. My kids have wanted a dog and I've and so I, I've thought about it. I've I've picked up books about training dogs and I've I've read them a little bit and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is a big, thick book on training dogs. I Ah, you know, this no, is you're really watching a, that show too. The, um, where the yeah, the one, yeah, yeah, yeah. And later, the dog I, whisperer. Yeah, I thought, okay, uh, there's this guy. He goes in and he like helps people who are having problems with their pets, and he shows them how to correct the problems. And I watched the show, and I watched the show, and I watched it, and I still didn't know what it was he was doing that changed the behavior of the dogs. And I'm like, it's this like mysterious. Training it, that's it's true though. Training dogs is a is a mysterious art that only a few people know. Yeah, that's I, I kinda walked away. So finally I'm like, oh man, if we ever get a dog, we're gonna have to adopt a dog that's already grown up, yeah. that's already been trained by someone else because well, no, okay, Hannah, I'm not just gonna no lie. way. Okay, I can't have a dog pooping all over the yard. I can't have it digging holes everywhere and destroying I just can't okay, handle it. Well, that. I have enough stress. Yeah, I I, I, I mean I have I have a large family and I don't need a dog that's more work than one of my kids. But at the same time, I know my kids would really love a dog. That'd be great um, to have a dog. And it would be safer. We've had a, a thing where people were breaking into our house. We had to borrow the neighbor's dog because we were so freaked out because these people kept coming back to steal yeah. things. And It would have been nice to have a dog. It would have been nice. It Matter probably fact, it wouldn't a, have happened there have been in a the lot first of times. place. Yeah, there would have been a lot of times yeah. it would have been nice to have a dog. And yeah, it would. if we'd had a dog in the first place, our house wouldn't have been robbed. Yeah, and quite frankly, I think having a dog when you have toddlers is probably a, safer, a, safer yeah. because, you know, you got one more pair of eyes watching out for, yeah. for toddlers who are notoriously always, you know, getting into stuff and, and escape artists and what <laughs> have you. So I'm subscribed to Masterclass. Classes, and I noticed they had a class on dog training um, by a fellow named Brandon McMillan. He was, uh, he, he's a TV star. He was in the show uh, Lucky Dog. He's the producer and never, dog trainer on Lucky that. Dog. Brandon's history is that he, um, his parents, his mom, his dad, his stepmom, they all trained animals for the circus wild animals and so when by the time he was four years old he was helping train tigers for his dad's act in the circus and then later when he was like you know i think about 19 he started working for his uncle training wild animals for uh, in hollywood for commercials and music videos and he even uh the show 
what is it, Hangover? Anyway, there's a tiger in that show. Uh, Katie is the name of the tiger. He trained that. He's the one who trained that tiger. Okay. I remember the trailers for it. Yeah. Anyway, so so he had this career, uh, but he would train everything. He, um, they would train elephants. They would train primates. They would train reptiles. They would train wolves. They would train... They could train anything, and they they were the people to go to for the, the craziest training jobs of like uh, you know training wild animals, not domestic animals, wild animals. <laughs> so all so, the, all the things in the movies you see that yeah is, yeah is so done by his family. so the toughest animals to train they can train them. The most dangerous animals to train they could train them, huh. and so uh, How he cool had this is that? yeah kind of this unique background, and then. Um, at one point, a friend called him up and asked him if he would, if he knew how to train service animals. And he's like, yes, I know how to train animals to do whatever you want them to do, but I've never trained a service animal. And he said, well, you know, why? And he said, well, a friend of mine is coming back from Afghanistan and he, um, he just lost uh, his legs, both his legs. And he's in the hospital recovering right now. And I was wondering if you'd be willing to train a service dog for him. Anyway, so Brandon McMillan found out, you know, what was going on with the guy, picked out a dog that he thought would be a good fit for the guy. And he trained it to do the things that would be most helpful to this this guy. He looked at what he was struggling with and what he needed help with, trained this dog, and when um, he finally took this dog to this this veteran, it was such a touching moment where this guy who had lost everything, he had lost um, friends, uh, other friends had died mm-hmm. um, in Afghanistan. He had lost his legs. He had lost, um, it, it, he had even lost his girlfriend. He had this dog that was going to stick with him mm. and, and be with him. And it just, it meant so much to him that Brandon McMillan was like, oh, this is what I want to do. <laughs> this is what I want to do with the unique skills that I have. And so... No, we would call that, we would call that a superpower. Yeah. He's got he, this unique he this ability. Unique ability. That to, to do something that would bless and, and enhance the lives of others. That's what we would call yes. the classic example, a, a money pants defined superpower right there. Yeah. And, but on top of that, it was kind of a double thing uh, because at that point he had become interested in rescuing dogs from being euthanized Hmm. because at at that time, uh, about 2 million dogs a year were euthanized. Anyway, um, so he, he started rescuing dogs and training them to be uh, different types of service animals and then matching them with families. And then, and that's, that's what he did. He, he had a passion for that anyhow, but he really knows what he's doing. And so I, I watched his show on, on Masterclass, his class on Masterclass uh, about dog training. And he is so, uh, uh, he explains everything in such a simple way. And it's so practical. I, I watched the, all his classes in, almost in one sitting. And I was like, oh my goodness, I could do this. I could actually, I could get a dog and I could train it. And it made so much sense to me. But then as I was watching, what was funny to me was that a lot of the principles underlying what he was doing and how he was going about things were very similar to uh, some of the principles we use in Money Pants for helping train your kids to develop good habits. 
And and you're like, yeah, when kids aren't dogs, and they're not, they're not dogs, but there are correct, um, principles. correct principles. And so no, I no, no, today, you say you say you say some of the principles. Hannah, you were telling me about it. It, it was m- um, most of the principles. Almost I everything, mean, every, almost everything it, he said. You you were telling me because I didn't watch. Yeah. You were telling me almost everything you said that he the principles that he espoused. Apply exactly to training. Yeah, the, the underlying the principles, yeah. and, and that so, just goes to show truth is universal. Yeah, like, I mean, the only thing I think that maybe it didn't apply was dog if your yeah. if your dog is like digging a hole, you can get it to stop digging a hole by dropping some poop in there and sprinkling some dirt over it. And next time it digs the hole, it will get really like ah. Uh, that's yeah, gross. That's gross. I don't want to do that. And after three, you ti- know, after, after three times, yeah, about it, after it three out. times, it, it doesn't dig holes anymore. Well, that's not one of the principles we're really going to talk apply, about. <laughs> but, um, but, uh, but for the most part, the the things that he talked about did apply. And so what we did is we broke it down. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, we could try that with no. the kids. You know, you you don't yeah. like the kids digging holes around the edge of the house. <laughs> we could try that. I yeah, bet it would dig, work. They don't dig in the same spot. <laughs> They'd be like, I'm never digging a hole again. Yeah. So we ended up distilling it down to 19 principles that he espouses that happen to also apply to anybody learning to train their family members to do uh, pretty much anything in the home. Well, I thought it would be fun to compare it to the dog training because not only like, uh, you know, uh, if you have an animal at home, you can go, oh, yeah, you know, maybe it'll help you with the animal, but understand the dog training you do or pet training you do with your animals, but you'll be able to see, make the connections between right. the two and, and maybe learn. So, and here they are here in, in no specific order, but here are 19 principles that we found to be true when training family members to help run the home. And here they go. Number one, the number one goal of dog training is to get them trained as humanely and efficiently as possible. Number two, some people say that a dog is untrainable, but Brandon McMillan says there are no untrainable dogs, just untrained humans. Number three, don't teach a puppy tricks first. Teach them the basics first. Number four, every dog is unique. Number five, dogs don't learn very well from somebody they don't trust. Number six, don't dominate your dog. Leadership is actually what makes a dog want to learn from you. Number seven, dogs need exercise too. Number eight, sleep is key to successful training. Number nine, people give up on training when the dogs test boundaries and appear to have forgotten everything. Number 10, limits and boundaries. Number 11, training, uh, technique versus conditioning. Number 12, and this is a big one, treats. Number 13, quickly raise expectations. Number 14, training when the dogs are hungry. Number 15, limit, uh, limit training to seven basic commands. Uh, 16, repetition and consistency. 17, clear expectations and communications. 18, go heavy on the praise. And number 19, giving corrections. Okay, so let's break that down a little bit, Hannah. Um, Number one, uh, the number one goal of dog training is to get them trained as humanely and efficiently as possible. And that's just, that's, okay, we're not training dogs. We're training children. We're tra- actually, we're training ourselves too. But the goal of Money Pants is to help kids develop work ethic as quickly and efficiently as possible. And not to coerce, not to force. We're not about commandeering and, and making people do things. It's all, and we'll talk about that in a second. It's, we're all about efficiency. We're exactly the same, where 
humanely means that we're doing it in the most positive and respectful way as yeah, possible. Yeah, we're, we're trying not to rely, like... Not threats. Yeah, not uh, Not coercion and, and punishment. No, we're about, hey, motivating and training as quickly, efficiently, and kindly as possible to get the kids that really key value of work ethic. Yeah, and our lives. claim is that, you know, there are other ways to get from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not just one way to get from point A to point B. But with Money Pants, our goal is to get there very quickly and with as little effort on your part. And keep in mind, we have a huge family. So there are things people do where they have one kid and you're like, well, yeah, I guess that would work. But that wouldn't be even possible if you had three kids oh, well, or four kids. We'll talk kids. about that in a second. And so, yeah, it's that's where the efficiency, though, yes. comes from. So that's number one. Number two, some people have complained saying, my dog is untrainable. And Brandon McMillan says, no, no, there are no untrainable dogs, just untrained humans. Hence the title of this podcast, Train Yourself to Train Your Children. And we hear this a lot where... We, we look at families and we see, you know, who's running the show? The kids. The kids are the ones running the show. And the parents are running around frazzled. You know, they're like, my kids are out of control. And we, we have to step back and go, wait a minute. Who's the one training the kids? Believe it or not, not training kids is still training kids. If you don't give your kids responsibilities, if you don't teach them how to use money properly, if you don't give them habits to develop, if you don't give them these things in their lives, then you're actually training them to not have control in their own lives. You're, you're actually training them to be crazy. And, and we, we talk about that where you've heard parents say, my kids are driving me crazy. Well, in reality, you've taught your kids to drive you crazy. So by not training them and teaching them appropriately and properly. And, and, and that's part of the problem is, Hannah, in our society, parents get a lot of misinformation. For instance, parents, there's a new trend. Parents are like, uh, are told, don't ever uh, uh, punish your children. Uh, and rewards are bad too, apparently. So now you can't you can't give consequences. You can't give rewards. I mean, parents are like they're given all this misinformation. How are you supposed to train your children? How are you supposed to raise children? Well, it would become this mysterious, magical thing that I would, you know, you would feel like I felt where I'm not even going to have kids <laughs> because I'm Why worried I'm going to goof you? them up. Yeah. Or you know, um, it's this very mysterious. Well, society thing. has. Society has trained parents incorrectly. Well, you you picked up a book the other day where it oh, gosh, had all Anna. these little truisms in it that weren't true. That yeah, they were, were like axi- I don't know what what the term was. They're not axioms either because that means truth. Yeah, too, it, but- it was all these little bits of advice, and some of it was was correct, and others of it was like. Absolute nonsense. What What are you talking about? And how would you apply that? And 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 how would that even work? Or no, that that's or that's blatantly wrong. Um, but I know people, from ample experience. That yeah, that's not but true. I'm like, how confusing if you're a parent and you pick up a book like that and you like start feeling like bad about yourself. Like, oh well, I I, I guess I don't know if I'm doing this right. So Am the I- key is to find correct principles and then apply them. And it's yeah. hard because there's so much misinformation out there. And like I said, par- society has trained parents incorrectly. Well, but here's the oh, truth. They've complicated things. And it's so way too complicated. It's, like it's not really that difficult. Complicated. And here's the thing. And, and, and Brandon McMillan is right. Just like there are no untrainable dogs, there are no untrainable kids. Now, that's not saying that all if you press this button that your kid will do this. We're not saying kids are robots, but we're saying all kids and people, not just kids, can be taught. Can be taught. 
he even says in the thing in his um, in his class, he's like, sometimes my dogs misbehave, mm. you know. <laughs> There's uh, and people are like, you're a dog trainer, you know. It's it's you know, dogs will sometimes choose to misbehave, just like they can humans. be tra- they can be trained and still misbehave. Yeah. But there's no such thing as a, a person who cannot be trained, a person who cannot be taught. Yeah, whether they choose to follow the teachings or not, that's different. But you can teach your children. Good. Number three, don't teach a puppy tricks first. Teach them the basics first. I thought this was great. Yeah, so what he was talking about here is um, people uh, a lot of times are like, hey, why, why aren't you teaching the dogs tricks? And he's like, well, he can t- teach them tricks. He made a whole career out of teaching animals tricks. And um, there are hundreds of things you can teach your dog to do. But he, uh, he likes to focus on seven basic things. Mm. To teach your dogs, and and they're the things that are most important and kind of the the foundation. And so, similarly with your kids, there are so many classes and opportunities that we have in our country. We we no, 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 in the world, Hannah. We live in a world where there is so much information and opportunity at your fingertips. Well, well, I just learned. I learned so much. Just I, I can pretty much I can learn anything I want, and I can do anything I want. Especially here in America, we have land yeah. of opportunity. There are so many opportunities yeah. and uh, for children. In fact, once I, I was at a charter school and I I had uh, funding that I could spend on all these different classes and things, and and there was a whole list of of uh, places you could go to g- take different classes and learn different things. And the list went on and on and on. And, and finally, my head was just swimming with, with like, what? where do I even start? Yeah, hundreds, There's hundreds so many things. Yeah. And I signed up for too many classes. I made that mistake. And it was actually, it turned into a bad thing. It was too stressful. And I had to go, oh, you know, it has to be to limited to academics. Well, no, but it goes back to the whole, um, uh, the Wall Street Journal article years ago where they had, you know, Less Chinese, more chores. Yeah. Where the, the number one indicator of future success was not how many things your kids knew, but whether or not they had good work ethic. If they, if they didn't have the basics, it didn't matter what are the things they had. If they had violin training and Chinese lessons and all these opportunities, but they never learned to work. It didn't, it didn't matter. matter. And so that's kind of Brandon McMillan's thing. He's like, hey, let's let's get the basics first. Let's go with get our ABCs, our one, yep. two, threes. Yep. Um, let's start with the, you can't even go somewhere with well, your no, dog if it cool doesn't thing. know. You can't go in public with your dog oh. if it doesn't know how to do right. this or do, do that. You and can't even show off the tricks it knows because it's going to misbehave when it's out of the house. And Yeah. And so, so it doesn't matter. Like, you did this great job teaching this dog this cool trick, but... As soon as it, it's out of control. Out, Your dog's out of it's, control. It's jumping on people and biting kids. And wait, 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 but let me get the dog. I'll show you this cool trick. And people are running away screaming because it's like the dog just bit some kid. And you're like, okay, maybe I should have focused on the behavior of the dog. We trained it first, then worked on getting the tricks down. And that's what we're talking about, where give, give the kids that foundation. Because once they have that foundation of work ethic. They can do whatever. Then you <laughs> throw them into sports and they're going to dominate. And they're going to love it or then throw them into the world of music. And they're going to really do well because they're going to have that discipline of practicing and, and developing their talents. That, and so that's what we're talking about where we say, you know, that's the basics. Focus on the foundation. Yep. And first. And first. Make yep. that your priority. So 
All right. So that's that's another similarity. Number four, every dog is unique. We said we'd talk about this. This one, <clears throat> where we said, you know, it, there's no such thing as an untrainable human. Well, there's no such thing as a, an untrainable dog. Well, it's because, but even though a dog is trained, it doesn't mean it's going to behave. It's because every dog's different. Every dog's unique. And this is part of the problem, too, is we have, we, we live in a society where we have small families, where people have one or two children, and they think they know everything. Well, they think that one child is how is all it, children and are. And they, they have a very limited view. And as soon as you ha- and as soon as you have two children, you know, I've talked to so many parents who have more than one child, and they're like, "Oh, they're night and day." I have I have Satan and I have Jesus. Those are my two children. I don't know what happened. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I can't tell you how many times yeah. I've had that conversation. You know, or that one one's child an is the angel child. And, and, or one's yeah. an extrovert, or one's an introvert, or yeah. one's like totally like a neat freak, and the other This one's uh, brilliant, and this one, well, no, honey. We, we hope he'll become a garbage man. <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm serious. Like, no, anytime a parent has more than one child, they immediately go, oh my gosh, they're not all the same. Yeah, or this not. kid loves math and engineering, and this kid, you know, yeah. w- wants to paint, and <laughs> and and it's kind of mind blowing to realize, wait, well, they came from the same parents, they're raised in the same house, but they're completely. Well, different. and then there was your mom who had the experience. She thought she was a pro. She had like five or six kids, and she's like, okay, I know what I'm doing. And then she had the one, when she was and- pulling her hair out. She's like. <laughs> Oh my gosh! What have I done? I, what did I do to deserve this? Like she, she was well, pulling her hair everybody, out. Everybody, everybody. Uh, she said everybody was always like, "Oh, your kids are so well behaved. You're like the perfect mom." And blah blah blah. And she's like, "I thought I was all that." And then <laughs> along came so and so, and all of a sudden yep. I was getting phone calls <laughs> and people giving me dirty looks and and yep. uh, wondering why I had so many kids and yeah. so. <laughs> Even even veterans realize, wow, they, they come pre-programmed. And that's the thing. Yeah. See, that, and that was Brandon McMillan's point was, you know, every dog is unique. It's a blend of genetics. It's a blend of age. It's a blend of their history. Like, who knows? Yeah. They, they're like all their, their breed, for example. Even their own breed. Yeah, yeah. And so you take that all that blended together, their personality, their breed, their everything. And you've got a unique dog on your hands um, with unique abilities, unique predispositions right. and you know it's ex- uh, unique experiences and and then also it's age whether you have an infant a toddler um, a preteen mm-hmm. a teenager a young adult uh, or an all, adult they're, they're changing they're they're at different stages uh-huh. and uh, that affects who your dog is as well yeah. and so it's very similar to but it also changes people. how you approach training them yeah, at, people are complex. There's a lot that goes into a person that affects, um, you've got their health, you've got their age, you've got their history, you've got their genetics, you've got their their personality they were yep. born with, and you've got a unique individual on your hands. So, number five, dogs don't, oh, dogs won't learn well from someone they don't trust. So uh, what he's talking about here is, um, he said, before you start training a dog, you have to have a relationship with them first because well, if, if they sense. don't trust you, if you don't have a relationship with them, they're not going to want to learn from you. That'll and, tie into the next point when we talk about leadership. Okay, so keep going. Yeah. That makes sense. So, and he said, and it's really, really easy to build trust. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, what's, the what's this big secret? He's like, oh, it's super easy 
take them on a walk, play with them at the park, watch a movie with them, let them sit on the couch with you and watch a movie with them. Just, it takes a little bit of time. So spend and, some time with the yeah, dog. And, but he says it takes a little bit of time, and a li- but it takes sincerity, authenticity. And he goes, because if you're just like going through the motions of stuff like that, the, for some reason, dogs can see right through that. You have and to so actually, you have to actually just show that you care about your dog. And I thought, wow, if a dog can see through <laughs> a lack of sincerity, so can children. Yeah. Uh, but he said, once you have that relationship, the dogs actually want to learn from you. We'll talk, and, and we'll want talk about to that be in trained a by you. Yeah. So similarly, we had the one podcast where we talked about spending one-on-one time with your kids, mm. where that um, scheduling that time every week, that that communicates your yeah. kids better than anything else. Hannah, that that you care about them, and and that that had a bigger influence. Okay, there are a couple of things that had a huge influence on behavior in our home, but spending one-on-one time with our kids. Is if a kid is acting up, or a kid is having a problem, or multiple children are having problems, you and I have noticed over and over again, it's because we have neglected one-on-one time. And as soon as we re-implement that, the behavior changes almost overnight. It's uncanny. The other thing is, you know, and we'll talk about this too in a second, is sleep and nutrition. But by and large, as long as we're doing, the kids are getting plenty of sleep and plenty to eat. It's the issue of just one-on-one time, and that, like you said. That's the that's the easiest way to develop that relationship well, of trust. Like, it's just one-on-one time. Um, when you have that relationship, then when you give your child a correction or you... Well, they know or, you have their best actually, interest at heart. A lot of times, if, if you are spending time with them and you have a relationship with you, with you have a relationship with them like that, where you, you spend time, they know you care about them, mm-hmm. they actually come to you for advice and come to you with their problems. Yeah. And apparently dogs are the same way. Imagine that. <laughs> so th- there's a similarity there. Uh, number six, uh, don't dominate a dog because leadership is actually what makes a dog want to learn from you. And you touched on that a minute ago, where it used to be popular to dominate the dog, show it who's boss, you know, make it do what you wanted it to do. I'm and, the alpha yeah. dog. <laughs> and instead, Brandon McMillan says it's a leadership thing. You want to lead by example. You know, and that, of course, my favorite quote is, you know, leadership is getting someone to do what they don't want to do in order for them to achieve what they truly want to, to achieve. This whole idea of of leadership is helping people achieve their goals achieve who they really want to be yeah so you're not like forcing the dog around you're not like Mm-mm. it's not this it's, it's not lead, a, it's lead by example is, yeah. is, what, is what it boils down yeah. to where we're even like with kids there's a hey um you know whip it out of them you know <laughs> there's oh, some yeah. attitudes yeah, you like gotta, you that. gotta you gotta beat your kids into submission and and what what's the joke you know beatings will continue until morale improves yeah where <laughs> some people though they have the mentality of oh you got to beat the bad out of children. And boy, that is just, once again, a totally wrong concept that somehow has oozed its way into society. And I totally disagree with that one. So, and uh, along those lines, though, leadership by example, if the kids see that you never help out, I know a family where the father would never lift a finger to do anything. He never mowed the lawn, never painted the fence, never fixed a hole in the wall, never did anything. He went to work, Eight hours a day, you know, nine to five, come home, read his book. That was it. 
And here he's trying to convince the kids to work. And the kids, it's like, well, what a horrible example. And I think the kids would end up resenting him rather than following him. And that was not a good example of leadership. Okay. So don't dominate the dog. Well, I, I, oh, I, you, I, you know, in comment? contrast, I remember on Saturdays, um, my dad would do yard work and he'd get all of us out there with him. And it was Florida. And which if you know anything about being outside in Florida in the summer, it is just, it, at least it seemed you like melt? torture. Yeah, you <laughs> melt like within a short period of time. But he would be out there working with us, working his tail off with us making our yard beautiful and, you know, making the assignments. And I was miserable and I didn't like it, but I couldn't help but go, well, dad's out here working yep, yep. too. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. But, follow suit. But that's, that's, I, that's leadership. Yeah. And it's funny because I still love doing yard work now. <laughs> like I actually like doing yard work now. It's relaxing to you. Yeah. Because, you know, it reminds, it, it reminds me of doing yard work in Florida with my dad. <laughs> Luckily, we're not in Florida anymore, and so it's a yeah. lot easier. Okay, number seven: dogs need exercise too. And this one, okay, this okay. seems like this one was fantastic. So a lot of times, people will put their dogs in dog training, and uh, they they spend all this effort training their dog, and their dog is still like out of control. Mm-hmm. So they call up Brandon and say, "Hey, you know what?" I, my dog, I, I can't. I, it just cannot be taught. I've tried. I've tried everything. Mm-hmm. This dog's unteachable, and and he comes. Oh, my dog's wild. It's out of control. He says, "Okay, I'll come over and see what's going on." She so comes over, and he observes the dog, and he's like, "Hey, sit." The dog knows how to sit. He he does all the commands. The dog knows how to do everything. They are perfectly trained, but the dog's out of control. He goes, "Your dog is really well trained." He goes. You you don't need a dog trainer. You need a dog walker. And they're like, huh? And the, he goes, 90% of the time when dogs misbehave after they've already been trained, it's because they're not getting exercise. <laughs> we see that where that's a new trend of sedentary kids and they are... Okay, kids are supposed to get exercise. They're supposed to run around. And there's this new trend of sitting in front of the computer and not doing recess and not being able to run on the playground and not even having recess. And I remember in in one of the schools where we sent our kids to, the kids were not allowed to run at recess. And I was like, oh my goodness. And then you have, and then you wonder why there are behavior problems in the classroom. It's because the kids are all wound up. They have all this energy. They've been sitting around all day. They actually need that exercise. They need to run. Just like dogs. Dogs need to run. And Brandon is 100% on the money with this. Dogs need exercise. If there are behavior problems, that's a really good first step to solving it is let them run. Let them run. Let Let them get exercise. It's funny because Christmas just passed and Mm -hmm. I was looking at, you know, all the toys you can buy at the store. And I've said this to my husband many times. They they have these cool little scooters that are motorized and all these little motorized toys for kids for uh, instead of bikes and, and skateboards and stuff. They have these motorized things. And I'm like, I never want to buy one of those because that's the point of giving them a bike is they have to get their exercise. Well, it's and, an illusion of exercise, but yeah. they're not actually getting exercise. How many times have we seen a kid and I thought, oh, wow, look, there, there's a kid out riding their bike. There's a kid out riding but, but you his never scooter. See it. You never see no, it no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. And then you get up close and you realize they're just 
sedentary on that scooter. It's motorized. <laughs> there, it's like no different than them being in front of the TV. And well, and, and that's actually why one of the one other things that we recommend with your habits is that when you're setting up your daily habits, is at least one of them should be some sort of physical exercise. It, that's key to having. Uh, for, for behavior problems. And dogs and children are no different in that regard. Yeah, and I, I wonder if adults are the same. <laughs> like, well, they, I know, there have like, been a lot of studies my that, energy that show, is better. That show, well, no, we're, we've become somewhat of a sedentary society. And the studies show that adults need to get up and get exercise and get their heart pumping. And, and getting your heart pumping actually lends to more productivity. They've done all sorts of studies on that stuff. So... Mr. McMillan is right on the money once again. So uh, money pants, a a key part of money pants is make sure one of your habits uh, for every member of the family is to get some form of exercise. Physical exercise. Number eight, sleep is key key to successful training. Brandon McMillan says there's no sense in trying to work with a tired dog. Yeah, apparently. We even have a phrase in our society, you're dog tired. Where or, you're just you're not capable of doing anything. You're just too tired. And or it, let sleeping dogs lie. Like let them get their sleep. Yes, th- we have phrases in our society for, for that very reason because we inherently understand that. But for some reason, that doesn't apply to people. Like we've been like, oh, well, people don't need sleep, and that's another new trend where it's yes, they do. Kids need sleep, and we did that great podcast, Hannah, which we titled it, I think, very apropos, which is "Put Your Darn Kids to Bed," where we recognized very early on in our parenting career that children needed a lot more sleep than we were allowing them to have. And what a difference. What a difference it made in behavior and the ability. You can't train a kid to do their job or to develop their habits if they're exhausted. If you find your kid is whining a lot, that's a sure sign. And any, any grandma We'll be able to pick up on that when they take the kids over to grandma's house and the little kid's whining and grandma goes, oh, they look tired. And grandma will put them to bed on, on the couch. And next thing you know, the kid's asleep or on grandma's lap, kid's asleep. Sure enough, the kid was just tired. And then they wake up and they have all this energy and you can, then you can train them to do their job. <laughs> First time I took uh, my oldest daughter over to meet my grandmother who had raised 10 children. I thought she was magical because she was like, oh, your daughter looks like she's hungry. And and we sat down and my, my kid like ate like a banana, yogurt, like tons and tons of food. And then my, my grandmother said, she looks like she's tired. And like a second later, the baby, the toddler dropped over asleep. <laughs> and I like looked at my grandma. I'm like, well, like, you're a magician. You're a magician. How did you know this? <laughs> so. But that's just it. I think a lot of parents, though, they're pulling their hair out there and they're exercising so much self-restraint and so much patience with their kids. And we're suggesting maybe you don't need to exert, exert that much patience and, and that much energy. Rather, just put your kids to bed. Just yeah, put your no, kids to no, bed. And that, that actually happens a lot where I see moms where they're, they they have the patience of Job. They have way more patience. They'll look at me and go, how do you have all these children? And, and I'm thinking, 
How do you I, not put your kids to bed? How, no, <laughs> what you're doing is actually harder. Yes. They don't realize that. They're making it harder I, for themselves. I, I don't think I could handle doing what they're doing because they're dealing with exhausted kids. Exhausted kids Anna, are just. I can't. I can't do it. Well, it it's even, too hard. It's just even, too hard. Even our kids in junior high and high school, like yeah. in the summer, they're so easy to get along with when they're getting sleep. And But then when school starts and they're doing homework and they're up late and waking up early and they become exhausted, they become really hard to deal they also with. Make, they also make bad decisions. Yeah, they, they do stupid things. Mm-hmm. They you know they and, act up, so. just, like, just like Brandon McMillan's dogs. Yeah. The behavior problems by and large, go away when increasing the sleep. And also, they're a lot easier to train when they're well-rested. Yeah, yeah. and um, Trixie took a psychology class in high school, and there was a section about sleep and how when people, when they are getting proper sleep, they're, they're not only does... Do they remember and learn things better, like what they're learning in school? Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, like athletes, I, I noticed it because my son, his football team, they were extending practice like past three hours, and the kids were having to stay up late to try to get their homework yep. done, and so they were getting very little sleep. And they found that with athletes, that athletes performed way better if they were getting proper sleep. Yeah. And I'm like, this coach, he's it's it's backfiring. Well, no, it's a law of diminishing him. returns. Yeah, yeah. Where, where you're not actually getting ahead by skipping the sleep and mm-hmm. doing more things. Um, well, and there's so- the whole sharpen your axe analogy where, you know, the, there's the, the, the two, and I've told this before, where, you know, you got the two. The two lumberjacks and one guy's chopping at the axe, chop, 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 and the other guy takes a break, goes and and sharpens the axe, comes back and cuts down the tree in half the time, even though the first guy's like, "Well, you were lazy. You took a break and go sharpen your axe." And I, I was chopping the whole time, and it's like, no, 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 I sharpened the axe. It's like it's like sleep. Sleep is like sharpening the axe, where yeah. it gives your brain time to regenerate and and your body time to heal. Well, you're and, alert. You're with it. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, this coach and or these moms that are work trying to work with tired kids, yeah, they they, they might you're making too much work for yourself. There, it's not as efficient. Yeah, you're, it's, ma- you're it's making it's the it law hard. of diminishing returns, and it's not as efficient, and it's this and a tremendous it, amount of energy yeah. on your part. Yeah, you're making it too hard for yourself. Yeah, it's so much easier and better if you back it off. Make sure you're getting sleep and you're well rested. You, putting the kids to bed seven, eight o'clock, nine at the latest. Man, it makes such a difference. I know parents who aren't putting their kids, their their ten year olds, their eight year olds, to bed until you know ten, eleven, midnight, and then <laughs> and then they have a tough time getting their kids to do anything. It's like, well, there you go, put your darn kids to bed. Okay, number nine. People give up on training when dogs test the boundaries and appear to have forgotten everything. Well, Brandon McMillan addressed this. He's like, okay, it's true. A person will train the dog and then the next day they'll come back to, you know, continue training and the dog will act like it doesn't know anything. Like, we just went over this yesterday. They just lost it all. Yep. And he goes, nope, that's not true. They never, ever lose all all the training. They're playing a game with you. It's a cat and mouse game. They don't actually want to do training. (laughs) Okay. And they're actually, you're trying to figure your dog out. They're seeing if. You're serious. They're playing a game with you, and they're seeing if they can get around, not 
actually mm-hmm. having to do the training. Yeah. And so so it's actually a game. So no, they didn't forget everything. But if you don't fold and you just consistently go on, mm-hmm. they get bored with the game. Of, well, they know the game doesn't work. The game doesn't work. Yep. And so they get bored and they quit, they go, they they go quit on, playing cat they go and mouse on with, with the training. You. Yeah, they go, they go on, with, on the with the training. Well, just And we talk about this in the Never Lie podcast. You know, you don't lie, don't negotiate, don't give in, don't chicken out. Stand your ground. And it, the, the, your children will actually appreciate it because they know deep down inside that the training is what's best for them and it is for their own good. Yeah. So, and what, and how this applies is, for example, if you set up, hey, you're going to earn your own money to pay for ballet. Mm-hmm. And it comes time for ballet or, or soccer that they were looking forward to and they didn't earn the money. Don't give in. Don't give in and say, oh, you know, I'll just pay for it. Don't do what that. What a horrible lesson Don't that's going to teach your kids. Don't do that, okay? Um, you ha- if you That'll teach them that mom up, and dad will bail them out and they don't have to exert any energy. Th- they're testing. Yep. They're testing the boundaries there. And minute, that should be expected, they're, they're, But they're supposed to do that. And so even dumb. dogs do that in their training. They're saying, are you really serious? Because they don't want to do the training, just like maybe your kids don't want to do the dishes or practice piano. But... But it's, it's for you the, know, it's one of their talents. It's one of their abilities. It it may even be their superpower. Yeah, and, and they need to learn. Yeah. So, so, but but don't chicken out on it and keep, stick with the rules um, mm-hmm. nicely, calmly. Like, you know, if you watch Brandon McMillan, just the same way he does it. Kindly, you know, kindly, calmly, but also firmly. Yeah, firmly. Um, it's it's you stick to the because rules of the fa- game. It's fair. The, yeah. If you set up money pants in your home, it is fair. It's fair for everybody. That's the neat thing is you don't have to worry or wonder. And the kids will try that whole, it's not fair. It actually falls on deaf ears pretty quickly because you realize, whoa, the system is very fair. Yeah. Because you're not competing against anybody. It's yourself. And there's no limit to what you can accomplish. Yeah. It's not like, oh, I'm taking this away. No, it's, it is very fair. Okay. <laughs> Number 10, limits and boundaries. When you do training, you have to have limits and boundaries. And the number one thing that you use for, for a dog is a leash. And Brandon McMillan talks about uh, how to use the leash properly. But one of the things is he's like, he shows how the leash should hang down in a J shape. Um, so there's slack. So there's a little bit of slack. Mm-hmm. So it's not um, strangling your dog. It's mm-hmm. not choking your dog. But it's not so loose that your dog has has too much freedom and okay. t- where it can r- run around and do whatever it wants. And so there, there are boundaries. Is basically he sets up boundaries within the training. And so how is that similar to money pants? Well, no, we have we do we do the exact same thing where. We have a framework, uh, for instance, with directed spending, where you you uh, you can spend, but you have limitations and, and boundaries within that framework. Or when it comes to choosing how you're going to spend your money or choosing your habits, like you can you have this framework. You, you can have uh, habits in social or uh, physical or emotional or artistic. Like you can have all these. You have plenty of freedom within certain boundaries, and it, it's actually freeing. It's going to sound counterintuitive, but having those boundaries actually adds more freedom because then you learn to be creative. And also, you have limits with how much you can make. Like, here's your budget for the year. It's not an unlimited budget, 
So get creative. And here are all the different categories you can try to spend your money on. And it's, it's actually very fun to watch the kids come up with how they're going to spend their money. And then, let's say they only had 50 bucks or 100 bucks for clothing. Well, that would be a pair of pants and maybe a shirt. But the kids get creative. And they go, okay, I only have $100 here. If I go to the outlet and I go to the, what's it called? The, the, well, they have the name brand, but it's like Nordstrom Rack. What, oh, yeah. Where they're like, I can get it half price over here. And they learn to do sales and they become very clever and creative. So limits and boundaries are a very positive and a good thing. Number 11, training technique versus conditioning. I thought this was cool, Hannah. Yeah, so Brandon explains that um, technique is learning the mechanics of doing something. Like, okay, this is sitting. Okay. Okay, when I go like this and you sit, that's sitting. Okay. Okay. Um, And okay, the dog understands that. The dog knows that. Conditioning, however, is muscle memory. So when he says sit, the dog knows to get on its haunches. Yeah. Um, But conditioning is muscle memory, doing it over and over again until you're good at it. And and so, so the dog sits every time at yeah. the right time. And so he's like, so a dog with proper uh, technique is trained, but a dog with proper technique and conditioning is well trained. And so similarly, you know, when you teach your kids to to do do certain things, like let's say um, in the jobs category, oh, dishes. you teach the kids to do the dishes. Yeah. I, how many kids don't know how to do the dishes? A lot. Well, you know what? You take the time, you teach the kid how to do the dishes. They now know how to do the dishes. Right. Um, they have the technique. Yeah, they have the technique. They know what to do, but doing it... And actually getting in the habit of putting doing the work and and becoming fast at it and, doing, and good and, at and it. And doing it when it's hard. And, and doing, doing it, it when, when they're they tired. Don't. Yeah. And doing it when they have other things pressing or yeah, that's when they develop That's when they develop mastery. Right. We call it mastery. And and so we we wanna see that a kid can do something consistently for an extended period of time because that's when the, it becomes it starts to become easy for the kid. Mm. And then we say They've mastered it. And the training isn't complete until they've mastered it. Yes. In a, in a money pants, you're actually not supposed to move on to another job until you have mastered whatever job you're currently assigned. Yeah. So. And so that's, that's for, the idea of conditioning. Um, his idea of conditioning is our idea of mastery, where, yeah, you know what to do, but doing it and actually doing it over and over again is where you become very good well, at no, it. Think about and you any, become an expert. Like a professional player, a, a basketball player. Oh, he knows how to make a free throw. But when it comes, when it's uh, the game's on the line and he's at the free throw line, does he have the conditioning to make the free throw then. Yeah, he knows the mecha- Years ago, he knew the mechanics of a free throw, but it wasn't after he did it over and over and over again in all different scenarios. When he's just warming up, when he's tired at the end of a game, during the middle of the game, he's now conditioned to do the same r- uh, routine, the free throw, consistently and under pressure and when the game's on the line. That's what we're talking about. And that's mastery. Uh, number 12, treats. This is a pretty big topic because we talk about we talk about rewards, but Brandon McMillian has has a, a very, I think, an interesting insight. Well, first off, I thought it was interesting that he uses rewards, and that's a that's like one of the Correct main principle. thing. It's one of the main parts of training a dog 
humanely and efficiently is to use rewards, to use treats. Whereas a lot of people are like, rewards are bad. You know, rewards teach children to not do the thing that you are telling them to do. And rewards, uh, I, I liked how Brandon explained treats and rewards. First off, the purpose of the treats that you give the dog are just to help them focus during the training. It's to get their attention. Uh, so you can do the training. And so so the the purpose of the treats is to get uh, to get the attention of the dog and to get them to focus on what you're trying to teach them. And um, he said that dogs are just like humans in that very few dogs will work for free. His next point about the rewards for the dogs is you have to find the right treat. Apparently, not all dogs like the same treats. Go you figure. have to find a Di- treat. Different dogs like different treats? Yeah, yeah. So you have to find a treat that your dog is actually well, really we excited about. about. That's what we were talking about earlier. Every dog is different. Yeah, but you have to find a treat that that dog is excited about. And mm. it's not going to be the same thing for different dogs. So he probably has a library or a, this catalog of different treats that he's tried. And if it doesn't work, he's got treat A, B, C, and D. And if these four don't work, then he goes on to E, F, and G until he finds one that the dog goes goes crazy. I'm like, oh, okay, that's the one for that's this dog. That's the hot button for the this dog. Similarly, with Money Pant, you have to find the hot buttons for your children and that's when you're every kid is different when you're creating the um when you're setting up their budget their spending Mm -hmm. plan that's where you talk about hey what what are you going to spend your money on (laughs) and and that's where you set up the hot buttons or when you set up privileges and things like that it's things that your kid wants that they're excited about and it's not going to be the same thing from kid to kid, even though, you know, it's your family, like different kids in your family are going to, different things are going to motivate them and get their attention. Mm -hmm. And so that's the purpose of the reward and the treat is something to, to get their attention, to help them to focus, focus, even when things are hard. Well, I like Um, how it says, you know, once you have, uh, once you have their attention and focus, you can train more efficiently. Yeah. Where again, we're, we're all about efficiency. We're all about using, making the most of the limited time and energy and resources that you have. Okay. Now, if you watch this guy, you have to watch him do it, but do his training. He does the training really quickly. And that's why I'm like, I watched him. I'm like, I can do that. I can do that. But he uses treats. And he's like, if you do it this way, it's it's super easy. And he, he trained a dog to sit within like five minutes. <laughs> You know, like it just it's a short little amount of time. Well, we've had, and we've it had, was like, wow. Well, we've had parents come to us, Hannah, after they'd watched, because we have training videos where they, the kids will have watched the training video and the parents will have the kids basically duplicate what they saw in the video. Mm-hmm. And we've had parents come to us and say, I didn't realize my kids could do what they can do. I was shocked that they can do and very quickly what I, I wasn't giving my kids enough credit. They are infinitely more capable than I was giving them credit for. Well, it's funny. When when there's a treat on the line or a reward on the line, you find out really quickly yep. what your kids are capable of if well, it's something they're exciting about. Which, But that, and so, that leads to the next point that he made, that treats always come after the action or desired behavior. He doesn't give the dog the treat and then tell it to sit. He says sit, and once the dog demonstrates sitting... Then he gives the treat. Yeah, he never, ever, ever gives the dog the treat until 
after they've performed the behavior. And so and we talked when we about say, that. yeah, not um, not chickening out, not playing the, you yeah. know, because the dog is constantly trying to get the treat without having to yeah. do the behavior. And so he has to set up limits and boundaries to prevent them from getting the treat without the behavior. And that's right. part of the point of the leash and the, um, he uses the leash for that purpose of, nope, you can't have that treat um, he'll step on the leash so the dog can't jump and grab the treat out of his hand. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, um, he'll actually use the treat to prevent the dog from just snatching the treat out oh, of so his hand. Oh, so that's the point of the, the leash? Um, yes, that's one of the, the points of the leash is to make it so that the dog, he uses it, uh, like he'll actually step on the leash at, at points when the dog's like trying to jump up and get a treat. Oh. He steps on it. So the dog can't get the treat and steal the treat without doing the action first. So likewise, when you're doing money pants, you need to set up basically limits and boundaries as well. For instance, turn off the TV, um, mm-hmm. disable the internet, mm-hmm. um, take away the, the, don't let your kids have unfettered access to candy and treats. That's the, that would be the oh, same okay. as the, the leash of... of uh, it doesn't mean that the treats don't exist, and it doesn't mean they can't get them. And, it just and means... he's holding the treat above them, right. and he's, hey, they're excited about oh, it. I get it. And he's communicated with them what they need to do, and as soon as they do it, they get the treat. But if you, do, if you give them the treat beforehand... That that's counterproductive, yeah. and, and we did that whole podcast. And it's about, confusing to them. Yeah, and we did that whole thing when you give a reward before the desired behavior. That's called bribery. It's very simple. Bribery is giving the reward before the action takes place. That's all it is. Um, so, and then he also talks about giving the uh, when you're the, first starting. Yeah, when when he's first starting, when when they're fr- he's first teaching them, he gives the, the second that that dog like sits mm-hmm. or goes down. You know, if he's teaching them down, he gives them the reward like the second they do it. Like right. he rewards them right away. He praises them. He gives them. It, it, sometimes he gives them more than one treat if they're he's trying to get yep. them to stay sitting down. And that's similar to like when I'm training like toddlers or something, you know, where we showed how to train toddlers for the first time. Yeah, you give them the treat right away. So they get the idea of, oh, this this is what you mm -hmm. want. This is what you want. So it's very clear. It's a very clear communication of, you know, there's not like this gap in time or gap in um, they make the connection right away. And when you're first starting out, so the rewards need to be frequent, but also basically immediate. Yeah. And then as training goes on, as as your kids get older, he and can, they he train, spaces out the treat the rewards to be less frequent. Yes, and so then he'll be like, he'll have the dog further away from him, and mm-hmm. the dog will have to sit for longer, and. In order to get the treat, he'll count and, and, okay, okay, now I give him the treat. Good job. Good boy. So it's similar in, hey, when you're training little kids, it has to be immediate. It has to... Well, also when you're first starting out on money pants, and we talk about, like, we talk about the honeymoon week. That first week when the kids are just first learning their jobs and getting into it, we actually recommend, you know, donuts and treats. and donuts and, yeah, yeah, yeah. When finishes their job and make a big deal out of it, and the kids go, oh, okay. I get a reward. This is this how is, I'm getting getting. And rewards. then as you move along, then slowly, maybe the rewards won't be as frequent, but they'll be just as powerful. Where it'll, it'll and ultimately, it's something like payday and deferred gratification, where maybe they're saving up for something big down the road that they want, and that's the reward. Yeah. So, but when you're first starting out, 
it's small, small treats, immediate. And that, re, that, but that leads right into the next point that he made when it comes to treats, and that is the treats can't be too big, but they also can't be too small. They have to be just right. Yeah. To motivate the the dog. So, training. so if your dog sits, he he doesn't dump a whole bag of treats on them because he's you know training's <laughs> ten minutes long, you know, uh, and so. Same. We we talked about this too, where if you if your toddler does the job, you give them one jelly bean. And then have them do another task, you give them one jelly bean. If they do one little task and you give them a bag of jelly beans, that's it. They're not going to do any more tasks because they have, they're saturated. They have all the treats they want. Matter of fact, they have more treats than they can eat. And so they're not motivated anymore to keep working. They're just like, oh, well, I have my treat. So likewise, you know, you can't give the, the treats, you can't give the whole bag of dog treats to the dog if it sits once. You want to space it out and leverage those treats to get the behavior and the training. Um, we, we have a family who, you know, they made the mistake of allowing their son, after a week of doing money pants, they let him buy a, a, an Xbox. And well, a, they weren't really doing money pants. Well, so. yeah. They, <laughs> they were they, like they breaking. Like, yeah. They, they kind of created their own program. And, and after a week, they were so pleased with their son and that he was actually working. They went out and bought him an Xbox and a video game. And that was the end. They, they never, it was like a, a month. Never saw they, him They again. never saw him again. He was just <laughs> in the in his room playing this game for, for a month. And they, they call us up like, see, money pass doesn't work. I'm like, well, you kind of broke a whole bunch of rules there. First of all, you bought it for him. He didn't buy it with his money. You paid him way too much. Uh, you gave him the treat too early. Like, man, just so many problems with that. But the idea is treats are very powerful, but you got to use them right. Or, you know, another bad example would be, you know, your kid goes and gets an A in math and you buy him a car. That treat's too big. The treat was too big. Maybe $5, great. But a car, mm, yeah, you overdid it on that one. So when it comes to treats, the rule of thumb is you have to ask yourself, is it sustainable as a reward? Can you give it over and over again to motivate behavior? If so, then it's probably the right size. All right, and that leads right into number 13, which is you quickly raise expectations. Yeah, so once they understood what they were supposed to be doing, once the dogs understood that, oh, when I say sit, this is what you mean, he would quickly raise expectations. He'd have him do it a couple more times, but that's when he would start to make it a little bit harder and and test them a little bit further. Uh, oh, and then finally he would even take the leash off and see if they would do it mm. without the leash in order to get the reward. He'd be standing further back. And and so raising the expectations and... and well, we talk about that too with, with the money pants when, when you're doing the honeymoon, that first week of of money pants and the kids are all excited about it and you have little Sally making her bed or maybe she's doing the dishes and her bed is not made very well. You know, she's six and it's wrinkly and it's kind of lumpy here and there, but hey, she made the bed. Way to go. Excellent. Good job. The second week, maybe you expect the sheets to be smooth and the, the blankets to be in the right place and maybe the pillow to be here, you know, where you raise expectations. Likewise, you know, she does the dishes and she didn't stack them quite right and the, the dishwasher wasn't wiped and that sort of thing where, yeah, at first, great. And you're going to reward that, but then you're going to ex- the, raise the expectations of, ah, not only did you load the dishwasher, but I, I expect the clean, the sink to be clean and the strainer to be strained and to be wiped properly. You know, so you want to raise those expectations and do it quickly. And and also like the first week, maybe the uh, you don't quite 
expect them to do it within the job timer. Right. The job timer is a little bit like, okay, there there are going to be more corrections and stuff and like figuring out, you know, how much time you have and that sort of thing. But by the second week, you got to do it within the job timer. Yep. In order to get your credit, in order to get your reward. Yes. Uh, so raising so those expectations and doing it quickly. He, he, yeah, he he would he did it within well, the, no. the same training session. But going like, going back to that mom who was like, I I did not give my kids credit for how capable they are. She, and that's the part of the problem is that we've once again parents have been told in our society that kids need to be coddled. They don't. Kids yeah. are incredibly capable, and actually, it's insulting to them when you don't give them credit. Well, within his training, and this is training a dog. <laughs> Um, you know, this isn't like an intelligent human, like it, dogs are intelligent to a certain degree, but not nearly as intelligent as, as human and beings. Capable. Um, he, he would raise the expectations within a couple minutes. Well, he's also teaching them to sit. Yeah. Yeah. But, They're not but, doing the dishes. But, but <laughs> yeah, it's true. But, but he was expecting the, like the had kids, high expectations. Kids, kids a and lot. It, people in general will rise to the expectations. Yeah, and and if they didn't rise to the expectations, he would take it back a notch until they proved that they could. Yeah. Um, He's really good. Yeah. Number 14. And this one, this may be my favorite concept that he talked about. Okay, this is like the main concept. Training when the dogs are hungry. Yeah. And so, so this was the other main tip. Like before you start training, you needed to know that um, you'll get a lot further and have a lot more success if your dog is hungry. And so you're like, oh, wait a minute. What's he talking about? He said, well, if you try to train a dog right after they've eaten, it's like trying to offer a rich guy a job. It's not happening, you know? Um, So similarly, if you have kids who have everything they could possibly want and more, uh, they're, they're basically entitled they're not going to respond to rewards. Yeah. Well, no, we've heard Here that before. Here I have a little treat we've, for we've you. We've heard that where um, we had a mom yeah, say, I offered, I offered a whole dollar to do the dishes and the kids still didn't want to do it. And by the way, we, in our family, we're paying our kids like five, 10 cents for the dishes, not a dollar. And this mom's like, I offered a whole dollar and my kids still wouldn't uh, uh, help out with the dishes. All they wanted to do was watch TV. Well, there's your problem, mom. Your kids aren't hungry. They have everything they want. They... They want to watch TV. That's what they want. What would have been much more effective, Mom, is if you turned off the TV and said, hey, half hour of TV if you go do the dishes. <gasps> ding, ding, ding. There you go. So the kids need to be hungry. And we don't, we're not espousing starving your children. That's not what we're talking about. And neither does Brandon McMillan, by the way. Yeah, he doesn't starve the dogs. He still feeds them. It's just he trains them when they want something. And so when kids come asking for things from mom and dad, that's the prime opportunity. You say yes. Absolutely. Mom, will you take me to soccer? Say, absolutely. If you get your room clean, then I will take you to soccer. Mom, can I go to my friend's house this weekend and and we're going to go paintball? Absolutely. If you get the lawn mowed, then you can go. And because the kid is hungry for something. It means they have a desire, a want that's not being satisfied. That's what we mean by hungry. So likewise, you know, 
and actually we'll sometimes use this legit, uh, uh, literally where it's right before mealtime. Yeah. Well, in, in the morning, in the morning, I'll say, hey, come get breakfast as soon as your room is clean, there you as go. soon as your bed is made. They're literally hungry. So, <laughs> so yeah, they're hungry. I'm not starving my kids, but they're hungry. They want to eat the bacon and the whatever. And yeah, it's there. And all you have to do is make your bed. Come yep. on. It's not hard. Five minutes. Yeah. And so so it's... Uh, and that's what the... Here's the neat thing is that's what the kids say. Oh, it only take five minutes. Anytime your kids come to you asking for something, think, uh, oh, can I have a bowl of cereal? Yes, you may. As soon as you wipe the table. Yes, you may. As soon as, you know... Yep. It's, <laughs> and it's very effective and very powerful. One of my favorite concepts because it's true and it works. Here's the thing. And going back to the, you know, the, the, the whole offering a rich guy a job. People who have everything don't have the motive to work for it. Like, it's just one yeah, of those. But who knew this applied to dog training? <laughs> Come on. I mean, so, isn't this awesome? If you have a dog at home, I know you're thinking, great. I, I can train that This dog. makes sense. <laughs> so number 15, limit training to seven basic commands. And we talked about this a few minutes ago where keeping it simple. And sticking sticking to the basics, right? And, right. And don't don't teach a puppy tricks until it knows the basics. And and you well, said, Hannah, he, he, but, he, but this no 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 no. He, um, here's the thing: when he well, it's related. Okay, well, he says limit training to seven basic commands, and there are hundreds of things you could teach a dog. And he goes, but if you try to teach them hundreds of things, what's going to happen is they're going to be C plus students at all of them. They're going to be mediocre at 100 things. Mm-hmm. And he goes, but if you focus on you know, these seven main commands, they're going to be these A-plus students. They're going to, they're going to be very responsive and very good at those seven commands. And uh, similarly, with money pants, we espouse the same thing, hmm. uh, where you limit your habits to 10 things you're working on, right. not 100 you're, you're going to focus on 10 things. And similarly with the jobs, uh, instead of alternating jobs and having to know all these different jobs, we say, focus on dishes for one year yeah. and that's it. And get really good at dishes, similar to Brandon McMillan's dogs who become really good at these seven basic commands. Your kid, if you don't spread them out too thin, they'll become professionals they'll become expert level at whatever job you give them for that one full year right so same concept number 16 repetition and consistency he just does it over and over again and what, what's and the- he, he sticks to the same rules he doesn't ever change the rules on the dog other than okay he makes it a little harder steps back a little further and mm-hmm. and loosens the basically gives them more freedom mm-hmm. but they they always have to obey certain rules in order to get the treat well it reminds me of and i'm going to butcher this quote but it was this, this famous i think it was a football coach who said uh, when he's tra- when he's training his players he says i teach them then I teach them, then I teach them again, and then when they're finally getting it, I teach them again. Where the idea is when you're training, just like dog training, you're going over and over and over again. Same with kids. When you're training them to do their jobs, you're going to teach them over and over and over again to make sure that they get it and always offering corrections. And so they can improve until, like you said, Hannah, their expert level. Yeah, and, there's, and that's there's what intense, inspections are about. There's intense satisfaction of doing a job right, but doing it doing it consistently, but doing it right. Mm-hmm. And that sense of pride and, and um, accomplishment. And the, the checklist is your friend on that, on that front. Okay. 
Three more. Here we go. 17. Number uh, Just three to go. Number 17, clear expectations and communication. And uh, where Brandon McMillan would, it was very clear to the dog what, what he wanted. What was expected yeah. in order to get the treat. Sit. The dog Here you knew go. that if I want this treat, I've got to do this. If I jump around, if I do this, I'm not going to get the treat. The only way I can get the treat is if I sit. And that's honest. Yeah. It's honest communication from Brandon. It was very clear. Mm-hmm. It was very consistent. So uh, likewise, when it comes to money pants, the only way you're going to get your reward is by accomplishing your jobs and habits. And we have job assignments. We have checklists. We have habit descriptions. We have bonuses. It's all very clear. There's no confusion. Yeah, and it's the, all set up. It's all outlined. It's all it's all organized. And... And so there shouldn't be any questions or any confusion. And that's an important part of the training process. Number 18, go heavy on the praise. And Brandon McMillan, he, 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 now he says good dog, right? Isn't that his thing? Or yeah, good boy? he says good dog, good boy, good yeah. boy. Now we're... <laughs> the, the dog really doesn't know what he's saying other than... The positive it's vibes a, it's he's, a, he's getting. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> we don't actually say good boy or good girl because all of our children are good. We praise their effort. Yeah, so good it's, it's work. Slight, good, slightly, good slightly different. Yeah. Wow, this is excellent work. So we're praising the work that they did, not the person. So it's slightly different, but we're still sending out the positive vibe. Yeah, appraising and praising yes. their effort. And and uh, I would refer anybody to to the payday video for more details on how to do how, how to do that verbal reward where it's like, wow, excellent work here, excellent work there. I see you worked so hard there. You know, get into the mindset of the person who did the job, how they how they feel. Well, it's funny because we did that podcast about uh, criticism and how uh, criticism, you know, you focus on on uh, oh, right. the, the, their effort well, and you focus not on, on the, the one, person. You, focus, you, yeah. you know, when you're making a correction, you you focus on what they did, not on them like, oh, you stupid. You so know, the, you, it, it, similarly, when you're offering um, praise, praise, you point out the what they did, not... Right. It's not focused on the person. It's focused on yeah. their behavior and their, their actions. Because you always love them yeah. and you always, you is, know... Is your, is your love for them and appreciation for them dependent on how they did? No. 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 So, so whether so you're just, offering corrections praise or praise, it needs to be focused on Correct what they the did. Yep. Praise what they did. Which leads right into the last one, which is number 19, giving corrections. And, and, oh, I like this, Hannah. This okay, is really cool. So at one point, he's uh, showing how to teach puppies not to chew on things that, you know, he doesn't want them to chew on. And So, so this is no he, different than teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> so he put three <laughs> things on the ground. He put three things on the ground in front of the puppy that he did not want the puppy to chew on. And then he put three chew toys on the ground with those mixed in with those mm-hmm. things. And when the puppy would pick up the things and start chewing on the things that he didn't want him to chew on, he would give them a quick reprimand of no or uh, 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 like that. Mm-hmm. And he would take the thing away from them. And and then he would give them he, uh, one of the chew toys, mm. the thing that they could chew on. Right. And he called that redirecting, where he would redirect them. So instead and, of telling the dog what not to do... Well, no, no. He told the dog no, but it was a quick, short no. But but the focus of it was to re to to show them what they could do. Right. So instead of focusing on what the, the dog, instead of focusing 
like, what not to do. Yeah, instead of going, was, bad dog, was no, changing, no, 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 no. He was no. redirecting the focus on what to do. Yeah, and mm. so similarly... Well, and Hannah, I noticed that with, and we've talked about this before, with toddlers especially, they get told no a lot. And I've actually instructed our kids, and we talked about this in the Criticize podcast, where I will catch our, our kids telling the toddlers no. And I'm like, uh-uh. It'd be better to tell them what they could do. So, Tank, don't get in the flower. Well, actually, Tank, go ahead and close, close that and shut the drawer. And now, so now Tank knows, oh, that's what I should do. Because they don't know. Yeah. Kids don't know yeah, what Yeah, you could do the same thing. Uh, 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 tank, close the drawer. Yes. <laughs> and it's very yeah. effective. And because kids, and actually sometimes even adults, they don't know what to do. If they knew the right thing to do, they would probably do it. But if you don't know the right thing and all you're ever told is no, how are you going to ever learn the right thing? Yeah, so when we taught about uh, never criticizing, the when you're giving, offering corrections, it's a time for teaching. Basically, and a correction so, is a teaching moment. And so uh, when a puppy did something wrong, instead of just focusing on no, bad dog, no, don't do that, mm. it was, uh-uh, no. Do this is what you can chew on. This mm. is what you can do. And similarly with your kids, when they're doing things that are incorrect or wrong, like let's say the bathroom isn't that clean, mm. you wouldn't go in and say, "Oh gosh, this bathroom's disgusting. This doesn't pass off." And blah 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 blah. And you need to work harder. And instead, no, instead we, we you instruct. would say, "Okay, this does not pass." Um, what I want you to do, I you see the mirror. I want it. Uh, so put your head over here. You see how there are smudges there? Get. Uh, I want you have to rub it like this until all the smudges are gone. Mm-hmm. And then the edges of the floor. See the crumbs there. You got to sweep those into your dustpan. Mm. And in order to see, pass, that's a teaching moment. Yeah, in order to pass. And then look in the toilet. Uh, okay, see there's that yellow ring there yeah. where the water is. You use your brush to uh, see, watch this. You can scrub this off and, and get this off. And then the whole inside of the toilet should look white. And then it will pass off. See, that's teaching. And the focus is on what what should be happening and what should do. So if you find yourself saying, I can't believe you did that. And why did you do that? And that's wrong. And that was stupid and blah, blah, blah. That's criticizing. It A quick no and then the whole yeah, focus... The, well, the no is, oh, that's not the way we do it. The whole this focus is the should way be we do on... It. The focus should be on what you want and what what should have happened and what uh-huh. you want to see. Well, no, we use it's the air... teaching. We use the uh, air traffic controller analogy where, you know, the plane's coming in too, you know, the, too steep or whatever, and the air traffic controller goes, coming in too steep, back it off a little bit, half a degree, yeah. whatever. He doesn't say, oh, you idiot. Yeah, You're coming in wrong. It's a, so, forget it. So Just, think of, uh, anyway, so uh, yeah, think of the puppy dog where w- when your kids do something wrong, you're redirecting them to what they can or should be doing. Yep. Just redirect, redirect. So I instead like of criticizing, think redirect. And it so. works. And it also redirects the energy, which is yeah. interesting because I'll go back to our toddler who likes to get into things and make messes. Well, it's just because he has a lot of energy and he's exploring, and he's yeah. learning the world. So instead, I'm like, oh, well, let's put those toys over there. Hey, come on, let's put let's put the couch cushions back on. Oh, let's make the bed nice and smooth. And he likes it yeah. because he's like, oh, that's what I need to do. And that it helps him focus his energy. 
Yeah. So it's really effective. So so it's pretty cool the overlap between where you're like, oh, because maybe maybe as you're listening to this, you're like, you're an expert dog trainer and you know all these things, but realizing, wait, there's overlap here. Because true training. principles apply. Training is yep. training. Yep. And uh, well, and that's just it, Hannah. You can apply these to the military or to business or to training toddlers. It doesn't really matter, or to training dogs. Training correct principles of training apply across the board, and that's what we kind of glean from this guy, Brandon McMillan. Mm-hmm. Is there's some great stuff in here, and yeah. it's well, and that's just it. It's practical. There's not there's no mumbo jumbo. You don't feel like you don't feel like it's a big mystery because it's not. Yeah, well, I didn't feel like the thing I liked about Brandon is I didn't feel like he was trying to sell himself. Like, oh, you need me to come train for you. He was teaching correct. He principles. was he was just trying to hey. His mission was, hey, I want to get as many dogs out of the pound as possible. Mm. So if I can help you train and know what I know, and and he, it was all, all about, hey, you can do this. This is really easy. And it really was. And watching him take a dog that wasn't trained and train it right before your eyes and seeing how he did it and him explaining why he was doing certain things, it was incredible. Well, I hope money It was, pay- I it hope- was so easy. It was so practical. And it was like, that, that's you our, can but, do this. Yeah, it, but that's, like, that's our goal with Money Pants is to hopefully be simple, easy, and practical. Like, that's the yeah, whole point. Quite frankly, I think I made Brandon McMillan's thing sound more complicated. than <laughs> Well, it's, it's practical, <laughs> so, no mumbo jumbo, down to earth, yeah. simple. Anybody can do this. And common sense, too. Where yeah, it's it, just like, just it, like, it rings hey, true. Yeah, like his part of, hey... Uh, they're not going to do it for free, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know, the, just where it was like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, got it. So there you go. Nineteen principles espoused by Brandon McMillan. Brandon McMillan, McManus, McMillan, McMillan, yeah. Brandon McMillan on how to train your dog. That we we kind of changed to be how to train yourself to train your kids. Nineteen principles. Nineteen correct principles of training. Yeah. And that's it. That's all of our thoughts on that and topic. And you can train tigers and no. wolves and children and, and elephants. snakes and elephants. Sn- yeah, and primates. So. There we go. <laughs> so if you like what you hear in this podcast, please tell your friends. They may want to listen to. We may share an insight and an idea that they're actually looking for. And if you have a suggestion for a future podcast, go to our website under support and click contact us. Send us an email and we'll get right on it. And that's it for today. Enjoy some Falcon Jasper genuinely goofy gyrations. We'll see you next time.